Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. The information and opinions you hear on the Dell Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Dell Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Dell Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Dell Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security. Portions of the show may be previously recorded. Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Listen and grow as Dell questions the status quo, encourages you to think differently, and empowers you to make a better life. Get ready as Dell challenges core beliefs, seeks the truth, and reveals the roadmap to the lifestyle you really want. And now your host, multi-millionaire, national award-winning investor, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Del Wamsley. Welcome to the Del Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Del Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Well, my friends, I was sitting around this morning, actually in the last couple of days, um, just sort of wondering something, and that is... Does anybody out there that's not already financially free really understand what financial freedom means to a person? Now, I looked up some definitions this morning to try to see if I could come up with something that was really enlightening, but I didn't really find anything. I think most of the definitions are written by people who still have jobs that are writing articles, and they don't really know what it means to be financially free. I didn't really see anything that really grabbed me and said, wow, that's the kind of information I'd like to put out there on the airwaves for people to listen to. So I'm going to have to try to just kind of give you a sense of what it's like. A sense that you can do whatever you want, whenever you want, with whomever you want, and not worry about it. That seems such a simple statement, but there's so many people like, here's an example of definition. Financial freedom usually means having enough savings and financial investments and cash on hand to afford the kind of life we desire for ourselves and our families. I didn't see anything there about any free time. I didn't see anything about time to do whatever you want. I didn't see anything in there and that definition about going out there and chasing your dreams, whatever they may be. 
I don't see anything in that that has anything to do with what financial freedom really means. One of the things it means is getting up whenever you want. I used to get up 10 o'clock, just sleeping in because I just felt so good to not have to get up. Now that I have little doggies, little puppies, they I got to get them up at 6.30, let them out so they don't go to the bathroom. And so I've, I've just chosen to wake up at 6.30 for them. And yet what that's done for me is to make me realize that from like 7 till 10, this three hours I was just sleeping away, it's really beautiful outside. It's really nice. And I'm sitting in my backyard and I'm looking at my swimming pools and my mountains, my cliffs, my waterfalls coming off those cliffs. I'm looking at my ponds and my pond gardens and I'm looking at all my flower gardens. I'm looking at my palms and my trees and everything out there is just so beautiful. Of course, it's spring. It's that time of year where everything is beautiful, but I'm just sitting there having a cup of coffee, relaxing, thinking, this is financial freedom. This is what it's all about. I got nowhere I have to go, nowhere I have to be, nothing I have to specifically do. And I don't have to worry about any financial situations. So in the moment, we're in the process, well, I guess I'm in the process of rebuilding my backyard. Again, for like the fifth or sixth time, I just keep adding stuff. It reminds me of Hearst Castle as the guy over a 25-year period of time built and built and built and built until Hearst Castle was incredible. I'm doing the same thing. I'm building and building and building and adding and adding. And my house just becomes more fabulous. Of course, I started with a 16,000-square-foot home and a 20-car garage, so I've got a base to work from, but I'm adding stuff that just makes it more incredible. Now, I'm not telling you this to impress you. I'm telling you this to impress upon you that I'm not financially free because I saved a little bit of money and I'm living on a budget. In fact, I wanted to read to you something I thought was pretty interesting about being financially free. Key points to being free is set life objectives, both large and small, and witness their monetary creation and set out to accomplish these goals. Well, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm over here building this. I'm over here building that. I'm adding this to the house, that to the house. I'm doing exactly that. But what these folks are talking about is, on the other hand, let's look at this other definition of it. It says, budget your funds so that you can cover all your needs. Stick to this plan and pay your credit cards in full so you carry as little debt as possible. Watch your credit. Boy, that doesn't sound like a lot of fun, does it? Now, I'm not saying be a spendthrift. I'm very conservative financially. But that just doesn't sound like the first one, which was set up your life's goals and go do them. What good is getting out of going to work? In fact, they're not even talking about getting out of going to work here. They're just talking about having enough money to do something and staying on a budget strict enough that you can do it. Doesn't seem like that's all that exciting. Says go on and start investing. Get a consultant, start investing, remain current on tax law, develop automated contributions. How can you have automated contributions if you don't have a job? That's what they're talking about. Have a job. 
Make automated contributions. Contribute those automated contributions through your company's retirement plan. Set up an emergency fund. Wow. None of that sounds like what I'm thinking about when I talk about financial freedom. Nor is it anything to do with It says, live below your means. Be frugal when possible. And do not be afraid to ask or negotiate for better offers. There you go. Go to go out to eat and negotiate for a better price than what's on the menu. Negotiate for a better price than what's on the car, although you can't even get a car nowadays because prices are going up so fast. I mean, it's just live your life just fighting for every penny and dime you get your hands on. I like this one. Take care of your personal belongings since maintenance is more affordable than replacement. There's nothing wrong with that statement, except it does not ring out financially free. And it's in an article about how to be financially free. They shouldn't be in the same article. This should be how to live frugally. Right? That's the difference. See, they're talking here about how to get to financial freedom. But it has nothing to do with real financial freedom. To become financially free, you must pay off your consumer debt. Why? I buy something, my wife buys something every single month on credit cards. Now, we pay them off every single month, but she maxes those credit cards out every month. She buys like there's no tomorrow. She thinks that she's got to spend it all before it disappears. But bless her heart, that's the way she sees money. She's got to have everything. Everything she sees, she wants. But would it be financial freedom to her if we just said, well, we don't have a job, but we can't spend any money? I don't think that would be financial freedom to her in any way, shape, or form, to be honest with you. There'd be nothing enjoyable about that. She'd rather be working. She'd rather me be working than to not be able to spend money Now, as I'm out there working on the yard, she's out there working on this grandkid that's coming. My gosh, preparatory grandchild money. Unbelievable amount of money. I don't know what they're buying, but they're sure buying a lot of stuff. Preparatory stuff. I'm afraid to see what they're going to buy once the kid gets here. But that's, that's what's important to someone who's financially free is to be able to do what they want, with whom they want, when they want, and not have to look over their shoulder and budget and scrimp and save. We'll take a short break. Be right back with the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role 
like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Retiring America, one person at a time. This is the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Now, more unconventional wisdom from your host, Dell Wamsley. Welcome back to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Today I'm discussing financial freedom. I'm, I'm really discussing the periphery of financial freedom. What's on the outside edge of it? What does it really mean? Um, you know, people talk about how to get there and how to do it and this all the time, but I don't think people that write these articles really know what financial freedom is. Do you have any idea? So here's one statement. It means growing savings and enable us to retire or pursue the career we want without being driven by earnings, a set salary or a set salary each year. That's not what financial freedom is. Not at all. I'm not growing my savings to do that, right? I'm not retiring to pursue the career I want. I already have the career I want. That's I retired from the career I wanted. It's none of that. Here's a little bit closer statement. Financial freedom means our money is working for us rather than the other way around. That's closer. I mean, my money's working hard right now. Think about it this way. You go to the Dave Ramsey course and they tell you to pay off your home. The median price home right now is 400000 450000 whatever. That's not average, which would be more like 500000 And that's not California, where it would be more like a million, right? So let's just say $500,000. And if you had $500,000 in that paid-in-full house, but instead of having a paid in full house, you had a house with a mortgage, and you had the $500,000, and you had it at work in an investment that does typically what our investments do, which is 10 years ago, double in value every year or two. Five years ago, double in value every two to three years. Now, more likely to double in value every three years. So that 500 become worth a million over some period of time and earn 10% per year. So 10% of 500,000 is $50,000 a year. And since it's tax deferred income, you and because it's passive income, you don't pay Social Security or Medicare and the income tax are deferred. And how long are they deferred? As long as you want to defer them. You could defer them the rest of your life and never pay them and die and never pay them. So basically making it tax-free. So $50,000 is an equivalent to earning $75,000 of taxable income, maybe even more, maybe more like $80,000, depending. 
So here you are able to replace your take-home income simply by not having a paid-in-full house. That's having your money go to work for you instead of you going to work for your money. That's closer to what financial freedom is, right? It's closer. I look at these things, and they talk about your life objectives. What are your life objectives, right? And what gets in the way of them? They state that we have burdened, we're burdened with increasing debt, monetary emergencies, excessive consumer spending, and other problems that keep us from reaching our most meaningful financial objectives. Such challenges confront everybody. That's their statement. But if that's the case, why did we get here? How did we get to financially free if we're all confronting these same monetary emergencies, excessive consumer spending, rapid inflation, lack of the government's help in doing the right thing, government doing everything wrong, excessive taxes. All of these things are against us. Why were we able to find financial freedom? And I would suggest to you that it's because we have a clear definition of what financial freedom is and that none of this stuff is important. That really what's important is replacing your earned income with passive income to where you have the income just like you had when you're working, but you just don't have to go to work for it. It's not an amount of savings. It's the amount of income. So... Another article here goes into uh, financial freedom means you have enough financial resources to pay for your living expenses that allow you to afford many of your life's goals without having to work or otherwise commit any time to the effort to generate money. Then he goes on and says, these resources might include one or both of the following. One, independent income. Independent income means you have a business. That would be like an apartment complex, a It would be like rental houses, any type of a small business where it produces income for you, government benefits, or other sources of regular payments that do not require you to work or exchange money for time. So it can't be a a business where you have to go in and turn the key. We call it turnkey business. Unless you go there each day and turn the key and open the door and turn on the lights, it doesn't work. You have to have a business where... I put a tenant in a house and they pay me money every month for a year. I got to talk to them again at the end of the year and say, do you want to sign the lease again? I have an apartment complex where maybe I call my manager every day and say, how's the world going? What are we doing? Any plans, any goals, anything needs to be done. Or any other business I have where I have people working for me that do everything and I just involved with the bigger picture. It says some people qualify for social security benefits arrive every month. If you have built a business to the point that you can pull back from the day-to-day management, you can receive payments regardless of how much time you put in it. If you own a rental property, you receive a rental payment once a month. Although property management often requires property maintenance and runs the risk of renting risk of renting to a tenant who misses one of the payments. Now, here's an interesting point. Notice that when they're bringing up all these possibilities for passive income, 
when they get the rental income, because these guys are selling, their financial planners selling stocks and bonds, when they get the rental income, they throw in their little negative caveat. Yeah, if you own rental property, you receive a rent payment once a month. Although, property management often requires property maintenance and runs the risk of renting to a tenant who misses one or more payments. Yeah. Let's see. Stock market went down, let's see, seven times in 10 days. I guess there's the possibility of not getting paid every once in a while on an investment. By golly, by gosh. Funny thing is, my rent house is still there. My apartment's still there. Stock market lost value. Who knows? I guess if you just left it there, it really didn't lose any value because it didn't go anywhere unless it goes all the way to zero. So same difference. We'll take a short break. Be right back with the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. You're hearing the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Want more life-changing knowledge? Access our podcast and listen on demand at lifestylesunlimited.com under the radio tab. Now your host, Dell Wamsley. Welcome back to Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today we've been discussing finance, discussing financial freedom. Sorry, and uh, we're talking about the fact that I don't think a heck of a lot of people actually know what financial freedom is, or really even can sense what financial freedom really is—to be able to do what you want, when you want, with whomever you want, anytime you want, have enough money to do it, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, but, Let's move on here. So the next part of it says, this can be true for many people so long as they start investing early in their th- 20s, 30s, or even 40s. Boom. Then it stops and says, however, those who wait until their 50s or later to start investing will lack sufficient time to take advantage of the power of compounding interest. Folks, this is crazy. You know, my statement has been forever. When I first started, I said you could retire in two to seven years. Then we brought it down to two to five years because most people were doing it in five or less. And now most of the people are screaming two to three years. Um, I'm not making a claim of anything, but I'm just telling you what they're screaming. In fact, David's got a whole group of people. They're, they're calling the twos. Deuces. Deuces are wild. I retired in two years or less. And they're not retiring at 20 years of age, my friends. They're retiring at 50, 60 years of age, too, also, in addition to. And not because they've been doing this for 20 or 30 years, because they did the right thing for two or three years and made a difference. And um, that's really the key to it all. Now, as they go on, they say, they start bringing up some points here. Using assets to build financial freedom can lead to potential problems. Think of the balancing act, using the method to pay for your living expenses and wanting you need to sell an asset to have enough cash for your bills. Troubles can arise if you have problems selling an asset. Okay, so what do they mean by that? So they, they want to pick on real estate, of course, because they sell stocks and bonds. But I'm going to turn it around on them and say, look, 
What if it is you need some money this year and your plan is to take money out on a regular basis and then all of a sudden the stock market goes down and you lose 30% of what you own? Now you take more money out and you're taking it out at a lower basis. You're really, really digging in to your nest egg. And it's the timing of being able to liquidate assets becomes so problematic. And that's why when you have real estate and you have cash flow, you time those types of sales based on when you want to, not because you need to sell that to come up with some money to be able to pay your bills. And that's the biggest difference, right? Is that we're living off the cash flow, not off of the assets. And when you live off of the assets, then you're going to have that challenge. Now, I do want to tell you a story. There was a time where I used to believe that I wouldn't live past 65 years of age because no male in my family lived past 65 years of age. Although I did finally run into an uncle, became aware that he had lived into his 80s and got to meet him and talk to him because it really wasn't close to any of my family and, and spoke to him. And so it gave me some, some hope that there was at least one guy in my family that lived past that. But I lived my whole life as if I was going to be dead by 65. So my entire plan was based on that. Get everything done you need to get done. Have all the fun you want to have. Do everything by age 65. Well, what happened was I started making money, quite a bit of money. Remember, rule one, don't lose money. Rule two is to have constant cash flow. And rule number three is you can't get rich slow, so you got to start making large chunks of money. So I started making large chunks of money. And all of a sudden, I wasn't spending those large chunks. I had no place to spend them, so I just reinvested them. And one day, I woke up, and I'm like, you know what? I have enough cash in the bank for me to live five years. And then I realized not too much longer than that, I had enough cash in the bank to live 10 years. And then I realized I had enough cash in the bank to live like a king for 20 years. And that wasn't counting my cash flow, which could make me, allow me, is a better word for it, to live like a king for the rest of my life, no matter how long that is, 20, 30, 40 years. But I had all this cash. I had all this money because I was making it and I wasn't spending it on anything. And every year I reinvest and reinvest and buy more and buy more and buy more. And because I buy more, I make, I have more assets to cash flow. And because I buy more, I make more money because I have more investments. And it's long since got to the point where cashing out anything is even a problem. Now, I'm not saying that you're going to get there right away, but I'm saying you're going to build up, as you get wealthier, a cash position. So not only will your assets grow, as in the number of properties you own grow, as in the size of the properties you own grow, but also your cash position will grow because it's just the natural outcome of having all these assets producing income. I mean, you set pretty much your standard of living. Now, you can change it. I took a big standard of living change when I moved from a $200,000 home up into a half-a-million-dollar home. I took a big standard of living change when I went from a half-a-million-dollar home to a 16,000-square-foot home. Big change, right? And uh, the cost of maintaining those assets goes up. Your cost of living goes up as you own more and more personal consumption items. But in my case, 
The only reason I went up in those consumption items was because I had positioned myself income-wise to where I wouldn't even feel the increase in daily, monthly, weekly, yearly cost of living. And hence so, because of that, I continued to pack cash into the bank and more and more and more of it and create a more liquid position. Now, what happens is once you get into a very liquid position, you get irritated at yourself and you go, I need to get that money out there doing something because the whole premise behind this is to get your money doing something so you can afford to live better than if your money wasn't doing something. In other words, get your money working for you so you're not working for money. But once you're no longer working for money, you forget that your money should be working for you and sometimes it's just sitting there. But eventually, you'll wake up, you'll hear something, you'll read something, you'll do something, you go, you know what, I know I don't really need to make an extra 200000 a year, another three hundred, four hundred thousand a year, but you know what, let's take some of this cash and go buy another business, start another business. Seems like every business I start, I make at least a hundred grand a year more. And every business I, I start, I make sure that the rules in place that I don't work in the business. I have kind of a standing joke when I do live seminars. I always pull out my key to my car and I go, this is the only key I own. Because this key gets my car into my garage. I don't need a key into my house. And with the 27 different companies I've owned, I don't even go to them. I don't have a key to them. I don't have the code to get into any of these businesses because I don't work in them. I own them. Sometimes I work on them. I'm involved with them. I make decisions about them. But I don't get up and go to work to them. I work on my businesses, not in my businesses. And that's the joke of the key. Another joke that I, I have that really irritates people sometimes, people go, can I have your card? I go, I don't have a card. I go, what do you mean you don't have a card? I don't have a card. You need a job to have a card. I have no reason for you to call me. If you have anything you need to deal with, you need to contact one of my people. Because I have people for everything. And eventually, if you ever own businesses that you don't work in, you'll have people too. Because businesses don't run themselves. Somebody has to run those businesses. If it's not you, it's got to be people. And so you won't need a business card because you won't need a reason for someone to call you. And in that case, when someone says, I, can I have your card? It's going to sound rude, but you know, no, I don't have one. Welcome back to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Where the hype ends and the help begins. Got a question? Call 855-497-4DELL. That's 855-497-4335. Or email Dell at askdell at l-u-i-n-c dot com. Welcome back to Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Final segment here, we're going to change directions a little bit. I've got an article someone sent to me. It says, more renters are renewing leases as U.S. apartment market continues to tighten. And the basis of the article is this, and I'm going to get right to the numbers here. It's saying 57% of tenants are staying at the unit they're in instead of looking around. Now, pre-COVID, uh, that wasn't the case. People like to move to new apartments. You know, you get a new unit. 
get everything brand new again, start over, and you get a New Year's lease and, uh, you know, brand new stuff. But now people are staying. They're not moving. That started during COVID, and that's pretty much understandable because it was hard to get a place and it was hard to do anything during COVID. But what has surprised everybody is that after COVID's um, restrictions have been released, um, it's still happening. And if you look into the numbers, it's pretty obvious why that is. And I'm trying to find the exact numbers on here because I should have highlighted them. Um, 57% of tenants are staying where they're at now compared to only 51% were staying in 2010. So that's a 3.5% difference, but that's not really the number I was looking for. Here it is. Here's the number I'm looking for. In part, that's because a renter will likely pay less for their current apartment than if they were to move to another one in the same area. RealPage found renters that renew leases in April paid 10.7% more than their previous lease amount, but new renters moving to a new location paid 18.7% more than their previous lease amount. So you see what happens is if a tenant moves out, you're going to move that rent all the way up to market, whatever that is, which is in this case 18.7% higher than what most of the leases are rented at. Whereas if somebody stays and you don't have to do a make ready, you don't have to you know, have advertising, marketing, and leasing costs, you can afford to let them stay for only 10.7% more and pretty much be even on the game because you didn't have to spend all the money to turn the unit over. Uh, so that benefits the people staying, that benefits the landlord, they have less vacancy, less turnover, less cost, etc. So I think that's an interesting thing. People are staying put where they're at. Um, occupancies are still very, very high. Very high demand for places to live. Um, as of now, I don't see that changing, but it could. And I, why do I say that? I say it could because there's so much inflation going on right now that there's the possibility that people are just not going to be able to afford to live on their own and they're going to have to double up. In other words, grown adult kids are going to have to move back in with their parents. Friends that move in together, you know, maybe two people rent a unit together. Um, anything they can do to cut the cost of housing because it's so high and because the cost of everything else is so high that somewhere along the line, something's going to have to give at some point. That's just an opinion. I'm not reading that out of any factual materials here that I've read. That's just my own personal belief that, man, if they don't get this, and I don't believe they will get this inflation under control, I think it's going to put some real pressure on families' budgets in the near future. So there's an interesting one. Not as much turnover. That's good for landlords. Here's the next one. Dallas considers restricting home sales for real estate investors. All right, so prices in Dallas have gone wild. They're just incredibly high. Like, I don't know if I've even got the article here. This says how much they're up. Texas has jumped 22% year over year in March. The median price has jumped 22%. Can you imagine that? For years, people thought real estate went up 4 to 6% a year. 
22% from last year. And people can't afford that, right? I mean, how do, they, how do you afford a 22% increase in the cost of living in housing? Which is, and interestingly enough, it is about 30% of your cost of living. Now, when I first started real estate, we, we would uh, screen people under the assumption that it was one quarter of their cost of living. So they had to make four times income of what the rent was. Nowadays, they're screening people that it's a third of their income, so you have to make three times. I'm telling you, in low-income housing, senior housing, and so forth, I'm seeing people looking at it as if it's only, uh, as if it's half of their housing. In other words, they have to make double what the rent is. In other words, 50% of their total cost of living is going to housing. So what is Dallas doing to try to stop this? Dallas is considering a law that will restrict how many rental houses out-of-state, out-of-country owners can have. They're following a law that was created up in Canada. Canada supposedly stopped the problem of outside buyers jacking the prices up. You know, people from all over the world coming in with massive amounts of money and nowhere to put it, putting it in their real estate by disallowing those people from buying. Canada restricts how many foreign investors can come into your market and buy up your real estate, said David Nigeria, the Dallas Director of Housing. Canada banned foreign investors from buying homes for two years to start with. Along with considering our own policy, the city may push for state legislation. That's the Dallas Director of Housing explaining how Canada tackled the problem and how they're looking at tackling the problem the same way. In other words, start limiting who can buy the real estate. Concept, if we don't let the foreigners buy it, we don't let investors buy it, then homeowners will be fighting homeowners over the prices and it will stay being sold to people who can afford to buy it to live in it. And more and more housing will go to owner-occupied type housing. That's basically the concept. Whether that work or not, no idea. It seems to me that everything in the economy is like a water balloon. You squeeze one end of the water balloon, everything squeezes out the other side. We'll see. Either way, remember this. It's not the money. It's the lifestyle. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you tomorrow. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.